This should be an interesting one. I've got a discussion with artist and technologist Todd Cruz coming through for you today. This is Mr. Ben's ADD Experience Live. And normally on Thursdays, I do this thoughtful Thursday where I'm all, you know, woo-woo, swami looking, whatever, floating in the skies. But this week, I'm going to have a discussion. My weekly discussion falls on Thursday. So we're going to have Todd Cruz on talking about some thoughtful things. So uh, I don't want to waste too much time here. We'll go ahead and get him pulled up and get this thing started because you've got places to be. We've got places to be. The world's moving quickly and things need to happen, right? Let's go. If you have any questions, be sure to go ahead and drop them down down below. We will definitely get to that. Oh, hello, hello, Todd. I hear you. I was about to say we got a we're ninety degrees off, and now we're good. Let me see if I can put this in a. It's going to try and put it in landscape mode, but apparently that doesn't work very well. No, it doesn't. Um, they used to Facebook slash Instagram used to try the the widescreen thing out. Um, I know uh, there have been a couple lives that do that with internal Facebook technology, but it seems they've kind of dropped that now. Everybody's vertical, so gotcha. Okay. Well, well yeah. Welcome to uh, the experience. I'm glad to have you. Thank you for inviting me. And looked at some of your your other videos, and I'm uh, I'm uh, honored to be part of that group. It looks like you've had a lot of good guests, interesting people. Oh yeah, yeah. I I got to surround myself with interesting people, and you know, just having these discussions. Um, I'm kind of used to having them relatively regularly. You know, just one on one talking with people, and I think that's where part of this came from. Just having these discussions. Pandemic happens, and I want to keep in contact with people and keep having these discussions. One thing yeah. leads to another Instagram live. And, uh, and, and I've seen you sort of branded it all. Like uh, you've got your certain look and you're putting them on YouTube and everything. Mm -hmm. That's great. I was, I was doing something similar, uh, at the beginning of the year, I was interviewing creative people and I got about 13 of them done and I put them on YouTube on my wife's website on my, or her, her YouTube page. Okay. Well, anyway, go ahead. they were only about like five to eight minutes long, but I was looking for creative people that, you know, have a passion for creating something. And I was trying to understand why do they do it? So, uh, do you still have that curiosity? Yeah, sure. Uh, I want to do more. Yeah. I just, you know, got caught up with work and everything. Absolutely. So, okay. So, uh, I, I do want to ask you about that, um, a little more first off, um, we met, uh, from my point of view, I was doing the Bixby art and Bixby park. Yeah. It's a little art fair out in the park. Um, uh, people come by, check out your art, and just talk to you. It's a little fun, little art showcase. And I saw you and your wife there. Um, crazy, just a, 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 a crazy. I can't, I can't describe your art. Um, you guys really have to go look it up, but I saw a crazy energy, um, nice vibe. I didn't mean like a crazy, like, <laughs> you don't know what you're doing type yeah. of vibe. Um, 
but it was just, it just really got me. I was like, wow, these colors, they're going all these different places. You had a wide variety of looks, but yeah. you also definitely had a certain style. Like I looked at all of them and said, no, this is coming from the same person. Almost. I almost thought it was all coming from the same uh, person because I saw two kind of blocks of style and I actually thought one was your wife's. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no, she, she was there to help me. Um, she does, she's into music and, um, video editing, but she doesn't do, uh, art per se. So we just, we just took that day to try and, uh, see if we could, you know, go out and meet people and, uh, sell some art. And that, that's pretty cool, uh, event they had at Bixby Park. I think that was around 2019, probably, or maybe 2018. It was, it was a year or so before the pandemic. Um, so we just set up a tent and then, uh, I don't, I don't remember if I sold anything out there, but, um, it was cool to meet people, you know? Right. Um, yeah, but I do have a, like a, like a lot of different styles. I, I, I painted for a long time and I, um, I always thought that I should hone in on one particular style, but I'm just kind of all over the place. So what got you into, um, into painting? Because as I understand, I, I called you a technologist when I wrote your name out. <laughs> um, I don't know if you, that applies or you think that yeah. fits. But uh, how did you get into that? And then, yeah, how, how did you get into that? And then how did it move you into art? Well, um, you know, I'm, I'm mostly just like self-trained in art. And it's, it's more, it's a hobby for me. It's not a career. Okay. I, I wish I could make it a career, you know. And I was talking about it as my plan B career or my second career. But I do spend a lot of time at it, right? So um, I just... You know, I just started drawing as a kid and, um, my dad was doing a little bit of painting and, uh, my grandfather was always commenting on my drawings, uh, from grade school and, and it just kind of, you know, energized me to keep going. So I, I took art in high school instead of, you know, as those elective classes, you could take band or art or, or yeah. something like that. So I took art and, uh, that was kind of the only training I'd had. And then I just, you know, I just kept following up and doing, I just kept going with it, um. I mean, I, uh, I went into the, to the military, into the army for, uh, nine years. So I was mm -hmm. in the army infantry and I, you know, there's no time really to do art. So it was just a good, um, sort of side thing to do, you know, um, relaxing and, you know, meditate, you know, just, I don't know, it just, it, it, it calms you and it's, it's just fun to do. Right. So, um, I did that and then I got on the army and, you know, after after nine years and then oh, wow. went, to, went to business school, um, for marketing and strategy for an MBA. And then, uh, I did, I did join technology or high tech as a career. So you could, I guess you could say I'm a technologist. Mm -hmm. Um, I joined a uh, compact computer in Houston in, um, I guess that was uh, 99. And then I was so, and then, uh, compact got bought by HP in 2001. So I was with that company for like third, no, I think 13 years or so. Okay. I remember that, that I remember that time because I was just starting in the video game industry mm. and I met, um, Bobby, I believe his name was, um, Bobby Hewlett. And we were, we were sitting around joking, uh, you know, just one day and I, I was like, 
uh, I wasn't sure. And this was kind of one of those fishing jokes because you're kind of yeah. trying to see what they're about. And I was like, um, somebody come over here and find this guy a Packard. He needs to pair up with somebody who knows what they're doing. You know, I was just joking with him, right? <laughs> and we all kind of laughed. And somehow that that little joke led to me figuring out that, yes, he was in the Hewlett Packard family, but he didn't want to deal with Hewlett Packard. So he ended up in video games. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that just got me thinking about that time in, uh, in, in tech and the crazy things that were going on, just the movement of the industry, basically. Um, and during that time, you say you were, were you still into art around that time? Um, yeah, I mean, off and on, I mean, I, I would do, um, you know, um, paintings and, uh, on the weekends, you know, um, or, or at night, you know, I, I would get the creative urge and I'd put two or three hours in, you know, maybe on a, on a weeknight or, you know, here and there, but then on the weekends I would, you know, put in a lot of time. So I'm, I'm still doing that. I mean, I, I make it kind of a, it's kind of a habit, right? So, um, when you get that creative, um, whatever it is, spark, spark, <laughs> or, the, you know, you, you, you get into it, right. And, right. Um, and you start, you know, you start dreaming about what to make and you, I got to the point where, um, you know, if I didn't make something, if I didn't make a good painting in a weekend or within a week, I felt like I was accomplishing anything. I, I had to make a painting every weekend that I, that I liked or at least got started through it and got it to the point where I was pleased with it. So that usually meant, you know, like six or eight hours of work on the weekend. So. Right. And so you, uh, you, you said you kind of started that during, during high school when it, it kept going and led into this, um, I don't know, you mentioned it was relaxing. Do you, yeah. so do you need it at this point? I mean, like just to, you're doing one type of thinking, do you, is this your, you know, meditative process or what is it to you exactly? It gives me uh gratification or, or, you know, it, it, makes me feel like I'm getting something done that I really want to do. Right. So I, you know, I joke about maybe, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys my age are probably out golfing or, or fishing. Right. And it's, it's the same thing, you know, you right. feel, it's just something that you like to do. So, um, I feel like I'm creating a portfolio of things that I'm sort of proud of. And I do like to get feedback on it, of course. Um, but I've always kind of thought like, you know, this, when I die, this, this stuff will be around. And this is sort of my way to like live on, not live on into the future, but you know, maybe somebody will know who I am in a hundred years or something. Mm -hmm. I don't expect to be famous or anything like that, but you know, it's just kind of cool to create something that I think that would might be on somebody's wall in a hundred years, assuming it lasts that long, <laughs> um, you know, cause the canvas and everything, you know, um, not, not all that durable. Right. But, um, you know, I, I just kind of, I don't know. I just, it just drives me. It's just something that I'm into. Right. Yeah. Um, that really ask is everybody seems to have some reason for doing it. And for me, it was, it, it was just any expression of, I, I, I felt I was kind of in maybe a similar situation as you, but I went into technology. A lot of that was because computers were a good field to be in. And that was just, you know, yeah. well, this is kind of easy to me. 
comes natural. I'm really into computers, tech, um, you know, taking apart my computer or whatever. And I like that, but it's still, I, I was, I came from a creative family. So I always wanted to kind of build on that somehow. And yeah, it, that over time, I was like, I have these things I need to express. I don't know how to express them. And talking with my dad for long enough, I ended up making paintings uh, at some point. It's just like, well, my dad paints. Okay, let me just go to the art store and pick up some paintbrushes or whatever and just start into what my dad instilled in me from like, you know, a kid. And it became a thing. And I don't necessarily know how to explain it. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's just my, well, it was. Now it's my thing thing. Um, yeah. But it was just a a way to ease my mind. I don't know. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. Um, it's kind of a therapy, baby. Yes. Uh, yes. It is a way to get out like, like strong emotions. Right. So I, I feel it too. Like I need, I, I have something I want to say and I've gone through, you know, various events in my life, like everybody has that are, you know, traumatic or whatever. And I want to, I want to somehow put that out there for, for people to understand maybe, or, or express my thoughts on it. Right. So, so do you, do you present your feelings directly into your art or as an escape almost? Do you know what I mean? There's kind of a difference yeah. between I'm putting what I feel into my art or I'm using my art to not, uh, necessarily deal with these things. Kind of both. I mean, I, I've done both. Right. So I, I remember the, one of the hardest paintings I ever did was like on a Christmas Eve and, uh, you know, we had like two or three kids at the time. I, I got three kids, uh, but they were younger and, you know, and, um, we were in debt a lot and we really didn't have much money to pay bills and buy gifts and everything. And I just felt like super, I felt like really, um, you know, upset about that, like really angry at myself. Like I wasn't celebrating their making a really good Christmas for them or, or memorable, you know, um. And I, I just woke up at, on Christmas Eve or like, or I was up all night long. Like I was just so mad and angry and just that strong emotion. Um, why am I in so much in debt? Why, you know, why can't I get my life together? And, it, and then I just, I just, I just painted, I put all my emotions out onto the canvas in a, in sort of an abstract, um, painting and, you know, even now it's kind of hard for me to look at cause it just brings up all those things, but, um, but then there's been other times when like, um, you know, I'll see an old, an old photograph or something that to me has, you know, it may be really hard to look at because it's portraying some strong emotion or some, some event that was just so traumatic. Right. So like I took, um, you know, like, uh, like, like, um, in world war two, there were these partisans that fought against, uh, the Nazis. Right. And, um, you know, sometimes they got caught and then they had, they got tortured and they had to decide whether to give up their comrades names or, you know, or, or just face execution. Right. And mm -hmm. some of these, you know, brave people, you know, went straight to execution because they were not going to, you know, that just takes a lot of courage. Right. And then there's, so there's some, there's some photos of these people that just before they get executed or, or after their execution to me that are just, you know, they're so strong images and I just can't imagine. Right. And so I painted those to try and tell the story. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, yeah. no, I, I, 
kind of I'm, thing, I'm, but you know, I'm, I'm following you here, and you know, it 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 should. A lot of art is deeper than we get it give it credit for, and I, I appreciate that you uh, put it in the yard because, you know, looking at your your work, there's definitely um, you have a lot of political characters, and I did want to actually touch on that. So, um, this is, uh, you know, you're 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 touching people in a in a certain way whenever you do a portrait, and putting them into your art. It, I mean, it says something. So did you ever uh, like think you were making political art or are you just bringing up topics? How does... No, I mean, I, I always thought it more historical, right? Okay. Right, so, you know, like I've got the the images of, I've got uh, portraits of Harriet Tubman and um, some of the historical figures from the Civil War. Um, and I just thought that, you know, some people aren't just aren't well known enough. Right. And so if I, I, if I paint their portrait, it'll, it'll create conversation and, and people, younger people will learn more about who this person is. And, you know, like, like I, I just wanted, I sort of got into this space where I wanted to paint portraits mm -hmm. and I'm like, who am I going to paint? Like, I mean, you know, I painted my kids a little bit and, and I could, I could go online and just find a face. Or, or something, but I'm like, if I'm going to put in the time to make a portrait or something, I'm going to, I'm going to do it with, with somebody that I respect or, so I also found like people that were like, like nobody knows about that did heroic things. Right. Yeah. So I wanted to tell their story. So I just find, I, I, I like search their name and then I, I read up on their story. And if I, if I think their story is interesting enough, then, um, and then if I find a, a really interesting portrait of them, then I'll paint it. So that gives you a, um, I know that gives you a connection to that person that you're painting doesn't, I mean, in a, in a certain way, right? Because you're actually going through the process yeah. of reimagining them. So how does that feel to you when you're doing that? Oh, I mean, it, it's cool because then, you know, I learned more about the person that I didn't know so much about and I'm able to tell that story a little bit. Um, so like, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm into you know, like I said, at the beginning here, I'm into the stories that people have where they're passionate about something, or I'm into stories about heroic events and, uh, military events. Cause I was, again, I was in the army and I, I went to the desert storm in Iraq, um, you know, three days of combat. So that was sort of a traumatic event that sort of stayed with yeah. me. And I, and I painted a, a few, um, impressions of that, you know? Okay. So, so those are your, so those are characters now the way you portray them and as i said I, I didn't know a way to describe it but you've got this very loose style that um that i've seen in a lot of your your more recent ones that the digital ones where yeah. you've got this kind of almost crayon like scribbling um when you look when you look at it close up it looks like crayon like scribbling yeah. but when you zoom out it's more of a flowing um you know, a uh, soft piece as opposed to the wild or abstract when you look at it close up. I thought that was really brilliant. Um, how did that come about? <laughs> Honestly, the reason those exist is because I'm, I don't know how to use Procreate. I don't know okay. how to use the digital tool. And all I could think of was take the, take the photograph and put it on the screen and then start just, you know, painting on top and, and, I, well, I guess I just thought that, you know, just doing lines and just, it was, 
it was therapeutic in itself, right? Like, just, yeah, yeah. Like a lot of my, a lot of my work, you know, has like little tiny dots and squares and circles mm -hmm. and it could take hours and hours to complete something like that. But I just got, you know, like I get this OCD thing where, um, it is therapeutic. I just keep filling the canvas slowly and slowly. And I, and that's kind of the scribble thing too. Like I was just, first of all, I thought I wanted to see what it looked like if I just scribble. Mm -hmm. And then second of all, again, it's just kind of trying to learn procreate because I, I really don't know how to use digital tools very well at all. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. So was, di was procreate was procreate, which is relatively recent, a re recent piece of software. Um, as far as I know. Uh, was that like your first jump into digital art? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't, I mean, I dabbled in the past with various tools and stuff like that, but my daughter, my daughter, um, bought it for herself and she, she recommended, she said, everybody's using procreate now. You should check it out and it only costs like $10. So, so we did that and we got an Apple pencil and then an iPad and, you know, I was using that just a little iPad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, I got into that like, um, earlier, I guess the beginning of this year when I was all into learning about NFTs, I wanted to get involved in digital art, create NFTs. Right. So I said, you know, first of all, I'm thinking, is there a place for physical art in the NFT world? And if their answer is yes, then what do I need to do? How do I make that happen? But I knew there was a place like digital. It was all about digital. So what? Okay. Maybe I can learn how to do digital. <laughs> okay. So there's this, um, you know, people have been hearing the buzz about NFTs. Well, it stands for non-fungible tokens. Yeah. Uh, they've probably heard about how these artists like, uh, Beeple, um, yeah. and you know, people who aren't really artists, but are just in the technology space, like the crypto punks guys, you know, making, uh, all these millions and what attracted you to this, the whole NFT idea? Um, okay. So I was getting really tired, <clears throat> excuse me. I was getting really tired of Facebook. Right. Okay. And I was sort of looking around for other ways to, to connect with the world. And, um, somebody recommended clubhouse, the, the social yeah. audio, a clubhouse. And so, uh, I tried it out and I thought it was the coolest thing because, um, cause I find on Facebook, you know, people can't, when you type something in, you really don't know how the person, what the person means. It's so easy to un misunderstand what they're saying. And it yeah. takes a long time to like type something out. Uh, so, so I thought that the clubhouse where it's just like, uh, rooms that you go into like, um, audio rooms or, or audio conference calls basically, and they're on special subjects and there could be, you know, like for anywhere from two people in a room to thousands, right. And, uh, they have moderators and, uh, it's usually a really cool conversation. Um, and that's where I first heard about NFT. Because, um, I, I started joining these clubs of, that were artist or art related clubs. Everybody was talking about NFTs and that's about the same. It was just starting to take off. And that was like, probably like November of last year, you know, that's when it was really getting underway. Uh, I mean, I know it's been going on for a few years, mm -hmm. but it just really took off this year. And so I, I just started looking into it and talking to people and learning. And even today on clubhouse, there's like, you know, there's 
they're constantly 24 hours a day. There's rooms about NFTs. Got to see him. It's a scene. Yeah. Yeah. It's a definite community. Um, and then you start hearing about people making all kinds of money. Of course, that was attractive. Like, yeah, maybe I could do that because I'm not selling any physical paintings. Nobody's buying my physical paintings. Yeah. So, so, so during the, now, now that we're in kind of a pandemic, um, are you thinking about physical paintings at all? I know I've had a problem with, you know, wanting to sit down and create a physical painting and then no one gets to see the, the, the details and the thing I do for the physical paintings. So I almost, I, I've lost a lot of, uh, you know, unfortunately, I feel I lost a lot of love for the traditional paintings, um, but it's sparked new creativity. But um, yes. I don't know if, if, you, if that makes sense or if you well, felt that no, way. No, yeah, I mean, uh, so what happened to me was I, I finally did publish or mint two NFTs, those little digital things that I was making. Um, portraits. I did a portrait of Ulysses S. Grant. And then I did, uh, I have a painting of Willem de Kooning, the artist. It's a big, uh, oil portrait. And, um, I, when I minted it or put it out on the blockchain for sale, I created a digital version, which where I just took a, a high, high resolution photo of it. And then I, um, using procreate, I zoomed in on the image and I wrote in a lot of times with my finger, cause we didn't have a, we didn't have an Apple pencil at the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was just digitally writing in, uh, I took like a hundred different quotes or words or, you know, sayings from de Kooning words that are important in his life. And I embedded them by just writing them in a really super zoomed up, like really tiny into the digital image. So, um, that's what I advertised. I said, you know, I've got a digital portrait of de Kooning that I created. And if, and if you buy this NFT, you can zoom in and see all this other information. And then I yeah. said, I'm going to, as part of the NFT, I'll also, if you want it, I will include the, the paint. Cause I wasn't going to give the painting away. If nobody, if they just wanted the digital piece. Right. Right. But the, but the price I set was big enough that I was willing to give the painting away. So I think I set it at first at like 0.5 Ethereum. Right. Which was probably eight or $900. Mm -hmm. And now I think Ethereum is rather than 1600 for one Ethereum, I think it's around 3,500 or something. That's, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, I just checked, I haven't checked that the NFT for a long time to see if mm -hmm. anybody even looked at it. And I have like 13 views in the last, you know, five months and nobody's made an offer. And I'm like, I know what I did wrong, right. With NFTs, but I, I just kind of said, this is kind of a waste of time for me. I'm not, I'm not making any progress. Yeah. And it's, and it's really distracting from what I really want to do, which is the physical paintings. So I just went back into physical paintings and ignored yeah. these little stuff. So one thing I'll say about the digital stuff is that it requires a lot of marketing. Um, yeah. there's a whole marketing promotion that you were like talking about clubhouse, how it's a whole scene. Yeah. 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 I've been getting into that scene quite a bit for the past. I mean, I've been doing it since, uh, like 2000. 12 ish. I've just been kind of looking at brand branding, sales and marketing, mm. um, branding for the most part, but sales and marketing, I've definitely kicked up in the past 
in the past three years, I've just really been like, okay, this is how that works. Oh, this is why, you know, this person is connecting with users in a way. And it really did, like, as you said, surprise me how much of a mental shift it takes away from your creativity. I mean, your the, the sit home and create a painting kind of creativity. I mean, every, you know, everything takes time, right. And you have to figure out what you want to spend your time on. And for me, because, you know, I only have, I basically have my weekends and when I paint on the weekends, it's taking away from family time too. So I really got to, you know, like be efficient with my time. And so I have to wait, like, do I want to, do I want to do marketing on Instagram? Do I want to, you know, go set up my tent somewhere at a fair, you know, and that takes mm -hmm. a lot of effort, right? Yeah. And typically, you know, typically, I don't know how you do those things, but I'm not selling anything hardly ever. Um, or am I just good? Should I just really keep painting, which is what I really like to do and get better at it. So I have this feeling like if it's meant to be, if it's meant to be that I'm going to sell stuff at a high price, it first requires me to get good at it. <laughs> And the only way I can get good at it is put a lot of effort into the painting. Right? right. So, so I'm like, so that's why, that's why I've got like 200 paintings all around my house. You know, my wife's saying, get rid of them, do something with them, <laughs> find a storage area for them. So, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, it's really hard. Um, but you know, it's like what I've, what I've started doing is going in these, um, I'm trying to get better at this, where I'm going in these creative chunks and these marketing branding kind of chunks. So I'll create some things and then kind of keep recycling them and showing people them, you know, it's like, hey, I've done the creative thing. Here's this, here's that. And I kind of keep recycling that content for lack of a better term, where I'll just talk about what I've already done and present it in different ways yeah. or show people behind the scenes and do that as part of my, um, marketing thing. So while I'm setting up the marketing, I'm like, okay, uh, let me create a look. Let me go talk to people, find out what they like. And there's that marketing thing going on. And so it's, it's basically spinning plates, right? Yeah. Where I'm in a creative mode and I'm spinning that plate as fast as I can, where I'm just pumping out stuff and all these ideas are coming. And then it's kind of on autopilot. Like if somebody asked me to make a certain type of uh, artwork, I can stop, get into that systematic mode and be like, okay, boom, boom, 16 by 16 inches. That means this many pixels this way, blah, blah, blah. And I just, that's a process that I've already gone through and that plate's kind of spinning so I can just let it go. And no, then great. And then the same thing for the, for the marketing side. Like if I know that every day around anywhere from six o'clock to eight o'clock, I'm going to jump on Instagram live. I don't even, th I don't even think about it anymore. Um, you know, and that plate's already kind of spinning. I just have a series of notes here in my little notebook, you know, over here, I actually do have the notebook, you know, it's just, you know, I just make these little notes like every day and I can go yeah. back and anytime I sit down, I just flip through. It's like, Oh, that's something I want to talk about and jump into that one. So that's kind of what that's good. I mean, that's, that's, that shows your discipline. And, um, I, I probably need to be a little bit more disciplined like that. Um, I get, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I'm completely ignoring the aspect of trying to get my art out there and show it and sell it. So, you know, I, 
I did finally start about a year ago. I started like taking Instagram serious and, you know, made my Instagram page all about art. And I, I realized my paintings are so dense that I, if I posted the whole painting on a little, a little image on a phone, people, you can't really see much of it. Yeah. They're not going to zoom in on it. So I started taking like close up macro shots of some areas and posting those, but posting them often. So but I wasn't making progress on like nobody. So I get a bunch of likes on Instagram. So what, <laughs> you know, right. I mean, yeah. you know, maybe I got to take it this next step, but, uh, but then I finally did, I, I reached out and like, I started contacting or going to galleries and I finally did get some paintings in a local gallery here. I mean, it's just a co cooperative mm -hmm. down in Redlands up. So there, I mean, you know, it's a club, you know, like, so. And then, and then there's a, there's a bookstore down in Long Beach that likes my art and they have about a dozen paintings in their bookstore. So. Oh, nice. Okay. But still, I mean, I'm not selling much. Well, you know, here, now and then. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, that's, um, like one of those opportunities where, you know, you've got art in the bookstore, take a bunch of pictures. Um, and you know, you don't release all the pictures at once with Instagram, you know, you just take a bunch of pictures, you beside the art, some people looking at the art, et cetera, et cetera. And then you just kind of drip those out over time, like as you need content. And then, uh, one thing I found that's, that's, uh, interesting that I, I don't see too many people talking about, but after you make a post and you've got like, uh, 25, 30 likes or whatever, you just go through every one of those people that liked your page. I mean, like that photo and jump on their page, go in their comment section. Hey, da, 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 da. and they'll remember you because they just or they should remember you because they just liked your, your art. So I got in the habit of doing that and that brought my engagement way up where, yeah, that's you know, good. And, uh, after, after time, it's like, you know, the whole trying to get into a gallery thing. It's like, at some point they're going to look at your Instagram now. That's, you know, that's just the thing where it's like, let me see your Instagram and right away, you know, you can show them, well, Hey, I have this and that and look at these likes and comments and yeah. it's, that's the marketing game once again coming back because you know you're trying to literally get yourself out into the art market or the art fair market farmers market yeah yeah funks i'm i'm making small small baby step progress on that mm -hmm. kind of stuff uh and there's tiktok you know i experimented with you know posting a few tiktok videos and trying to yeah. see what, what that meant like and i've heard good things about that but I don't know if it actually brings in buyers or, you know, if, if it's just about, you know, all about getting attention, you know? Yeah. It's TikTok is definitely a different game. You can get a lot of attention. Um, but what people don't tell you is they really need a lot of, uh, it, it, it takes more work than, than people would assume. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a different type of mindset and a different type of work. So, um, I do like what you've done there though, with the, you know, showing a piece and then you're actually zooming in and zooming out. Um, but I know she didn't put any of those on Facebook. Yeah. I mean, Instagram, I'm sorry. Oh, Instagram. No, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, I didn't, I don't really post videos on Instagram, but a lot of, most of those abstract, uh, images on Instagram are zoomed up small versions of a larger painting because the, the paintings themselves are too dense for a, for a small picture. Right. Seems like, you know, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, 
Well, you, well, you could even even do like a, a series of shots, right? Um, yeah. You know, do the zoomed in and then slightly zoomed in, you know, and so forth until you're back out at full size, or do the reverse where it's you know the full size and you zoom in. So, yeah, I guess you know, I could be a little bit more creative on how I get stuff out there. Um, just trying to navigate, you know, like what do I need to do to. I guess I'm a little jaded, you know, I've been painting all these years and I, you know, like. Does it, uh, does it, does, does it feel like a, uh, an, um, obligation that you don't want to do? Like, you know, you don't want to mow the lawn or whatever, like a chore almost. Well, I mean, if it's nothing at the end of it, like, like going to these fairs, like the, the art in the Bixby park, you know, that takes a whole Saturday and it's, by the end of the day, you're, you're exhausted from moving all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't get a sale, you know, it's why do it again. Right. That's mm -hmm. how I feel. Um, and it was kind of like the, the way with the NFT stuff where the community stuff is like, I was told, I actually did, you know, I tried to, I had a consultant, like, give me some advice. Um, I, he's an NFT collector and he was giving like 30 minute sessions where he would look at your art, give you ideas and, uh, he told me that, you know, if you want to get in this space, you know, just join the, make sure you're on Twitter, follow a lot of these, uh, people that are creating and follow the collectors and comment on their stuff and get to know them and they'll get to know you. And, um, and I did that, you know, cause I, and I was just, you know, pretty interested anyway in the art. Yeah. Uh, so I, I would comment, you know, this is a great piece or whatever, but it, it never led to anything like. Sounds like know. the real art world. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. Then there was this discord community. You have to join discord. And I, right. I was having problems with the, with an old account. I couldn't open up discord again. And I had to, you know, just all kinds of technical problems. So I never joined discord. And apparently that's where a lot of the action is, or, or if you want to join the community, that's, that's how you get, get there and get to know people. And I found out like, uh, and you can see it on, on clubhouse, right? Like, when there's a drop, a, a big, uh, publish of digital art for sale as an NFT, it's called a drop and everybody, you know, there's just a lot of buzz and a lot of hype and they're all helping each other out. And they're all like, I'm going to buy this and I'm going to buy that, you know, or, or there's collaborations going on. Right. Mm. Uh, but I, I would just wasn't making any headway at it. And I'm like, okay, I'm obviously doing something wrong or I'm just, it, maybe it just seemed like you have to dive into it and really put a lot of effort into it. And I wasn't willing to put that much effort into it because it was so distracting from everything else I was trying to do. Yeah. I think that's, um, what a lot of, uh, I mean, you're definitely not alone in that aspect. And that's kind of one of the reasons I haven't jumped in fully to it. I've for as much as I've researched and been around the NFT space, it's like, I, I feel like I'm that person that goes to all the art shows and talks to all the artists and watches Bob Ross all day in the NFT world, right? But but I don't actually uh, get involved. I feel like I'm that person. I don't know if you've ever been to an art show, they come around and talk to you and yeah, I really like this piece and I saw this guy last week and they never buy or never put out any art themselves. That's me in the NFT space just because of that investment that it's gonna take. And um, I think in 2022, I have a project that I'm gonna get rolling provided this podcast and, um, my website get rolling like the way I wanted to, but, um, 
you know, so you're not alone there. You're definitely not alone in that aspect. I think your art, it would do great as NFTs. That's what people are loving to buy, you know, like digital images that are, I don't know. I mean, it, you, you've just got that kind of art that has that look that people are buying, right? Um, they're creating all these series of characters, right? Um, there was one drop today. I, I did a little bit of reading up today on NFT and um, there was a, today there was a drop of like 8,888 uh, characters that are like, uh, <laughs> what do you call it? Like uh, figurines of, you know, anime fighters and that type of stuff, right? Like, yeah, I don't know what you would call it. <laughs> Uh, 8,888 of them mm -hmm. sale by one collective, one group of artists. And, um, imagine, you know, how, how different are some of these? They've got to just like, they make one little tweak <laughs> to that yeah, yeah. and make another little tweak, but they become collectible. Right. And that, and they had so much, uh, interest in this. There was like, like in. 24 hours, they had over a hundred thousand people join their discord, you know, showing interest and they were getting ready to buy. And, uh, it's, it's crazy what's going on. I mean, so do you, are, are you one of the people that really, uh, I don't want to say gets it because I know you get it, but does a lot of it seem goofy to you or, oh, you, oh, it does seem What seems goofy to me is that people are just whipping out sketches. And those sketches become collectible. Like, like, I don't see a lot of talent in the sketch, but, but because they make a collection of these sketches, like frogs or apes or whatever, they're just drawing the same sort of character and putting a hat on or, you know, putting a beard on or something. All these little sketches, they create a collection and then that becomes collectible regardless of the quality of the art. And then everybody displays that as look, look at which one I got, look at which frog I got, you know? Yeah. And, um, and it just seems like, like kind of silly to me in a sense of like, like, why are you getting so excited about this piece you bought? <laughs> right. Right. Like I, you know, I guess that's kind of like coin collecting or stamp collecting. Right. But sure it's, it's different right you know um i guess as an artist when you're putting so much time into work and you see like some of this other stuff just that looks like it took them like 20 minutes to you know just draw up right and then they're able to sell it for hundreds of dollars it just kind of jakes me right i kind of get like you know what what am i getting too old or what <laughs> you know what there's this there's this weird space of um and no i i definitely think it's overblown by the way but there's this weird space of people getting into or latching on to an interesting concept or idea, and it just becomes the thing to talk about. Like I, um, there used to be this Google art page. I don't know where it's at now, but it was actually uh, promoted by Google. It was like Google forward thinking art, something, whatever. And they would always showcase all these projects. And a lot of them were from people within Google or attached to Google somehow. Uh, they had done Google Talks, et cetera. But basically, there were all these interesting concepts like, can we have a an AI select different pictures and create a new piece of artwork out of that? And then it gets 
automatically printed up. We've got 50 of these prints. Go buy now. And it's like there's this buzz, but then it has no um, classic artistic, yeah. you know, balance to it. Like there's no story behind the artist. And I think for what you and I are talking about with when we create art, there's a story behind the art and the artist. And it's harder to get that with like a, a collectible that's based on a, a concept like, hey, we had 256 colors and we decided to turn each of these colors into a series. And now we've got this, you know, 256 print series. That's interesting, but it's not like the classic art story. And I think a lot of that starts to fall away over time um, where it's interesting and cute right now, but no one's going to care. Yeah, I, I think this NFT market is probably a bubble in a lot of ways, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's going to turn out for some people like the Beanie Babies did, like, you know, mm -hmm. so collectible. And then all of a sudden they were, you know, worth nothing. Um, yeah. But it's self-perpetuating right now. People are, you know, there's, I think what happened, right, is people made a lot of money on Bitcoin. And those were naturally the people that, already knew about the space or about digital NFTs. They, they were the early adopters anyway. So they had all this money and then, and then COVID came along also, and people weren't spending money on going out and traveling. And they were just like sitting at home and like, well, what am I going to buy? <laughs> and it just is like perpetuating, like, like a lot of the artists are the collectors. And it's just like a self-fulfilling prophecy. They're helping each other out. They're spending tons yeah. of money. Um, but then it also pulled in a lot of the, you know, the rich collectors that want to get in on the game, you know, yeah. like the, the gold rush, you know? So, um, well, now that's the, that's, that's the thing, right? I mean, um, you know, you've got like the, the high end people, uh, making their, their Twitter and Instagram profile images and NFT. And when you go to their profile, you click on it. There's a link to click on it. It takes you to the actual NFT. So you can actually kind of flex that way where it's like, Hey, look, I just bought this. It's worth however many tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions in a lot of cases. So that's kind of weird to me because, uh, like who buys a painting and then goes and puts it out and says, look how much I spent on this. That's going to represent me. It's interesting and weird. Yeah. I mean, I do believe in the NFT concept. I don't think it's a, it's a, I believe in what it, what it gives or what it creates, which is, you know, provenance and scarcity and collectability and royalties, you know, it, it's a great thing, but it's also kind of like, there's so much flaky stuff going on right now. And it's, and it's, um, it's a, it's a tight knit community. That's at least it seems that like it, like it, right. hard for me to penetrate and try to figure out what's going on and be part of it. So what would you like to see them become? I would like to see it become a marketplace for, for everyone to understand like, like eBay, like you don't have to like, um, join discord and join Twitter and join clubhouse and get to know everybody and it where it would just be like, um, well, and it'll evolve over time. I'm sure it'll get there where it's just easier to 
easier to understand, easier to post things, um, easier to market maybe, or people will, people will understand it more as a marketplace to just go there to buy. Cause I think it's still for early adopters, right? It's still like most people don't know what this NFT stuff is. Right. So it'll get there, you know, and the people are putting NFTs on collectible things anyway, like, like sports cars and, you know, anything valuable, they're starting to attach NFTs to just to, for, for certificate of authenticity and provenance. Right. 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 There's that type of, uh, connectivity. Um, Beeple does that in a lot of ways where he's got, um, that's the $69 million yeah, uh, guy who creates artworks every day guy. He actually has physical versions that he sends out where you, you've got a, it's like a glass, it's like yeah. a glass casing. And then there's the image of the NFT in there. It's got the, um, QR code at the bottom of it and it attaches yeah. to, I want to say USB or something somehow, Yeah, but it's, it's a whole packaging, processing, presentation, physical art it's, thing that goes along with this NFT. And I think that's a really good way to do it. Uh, and I could, I could totally foresee, you know, groups coming around, like, like you have framers now, you know, you take your art to a frame shop and it gets framed and presented nicely. I could totally see frame shops and, um, you know, people who present art in a certain way becoming these places that, Hey, you make an NFT, we'll attach all this stuff to it, yeah. to your physical art. So you have the NFT as the certificate basically of authenticity and the physical artwork and it's all going to be a connected thing. So I see that coming around sometime. Yeah. I mean, there's so many ideas and uh, innovations and, you know, people are being so creative about how to publish NFTs and, and, and what you get, you know, it, it, some of them are games and some of them are uh, characters that come to life or, you know, when you buy an NFT, you're unlocking some other digital part of the puzzle or making it interesting. And yeah, people I've saw, I've seen his packages and they're like amazingly professionally looking like you feel it really, really feel like you're like getting something from a boutique, you know, shop in Paris, like something really high end. Right. You know, and, and I don't, I don't disparage his work. I mean, he, he deserves what he gets because he was, he was out there for years publishing a piece of digital art every day. 13 years. Yeah. I mean, but you know, you know, he, he deserves it. <laughs> But, but a lot of this other stuff going on is just interesting. No, totally. Um, so speaking of, uh, you know, like NFTs and technology, uh, another thing you're interested in is 3d printing. So, um, how, how much of that have you done or how you're into it, you're, uh, researching and looking at it? Well, well, so I, I actually. I don't know much about 3D printing itself. I, I worked for a printer company, Epson, mm -hmm. and I study, you know, my role is the future of printing and, and, um, looking at how printers will evolve and making a business case for the printers that are coming out, the consumer printers that'll come out in the next four or five years. Um, and I, I do have a little bit of experience, uh, when I worked at HP in, in like 3D scanning 
devices and, um, and that. I mean, so I've got, I've, I've dabbled in it, but I've not really printed stuff myself. Um, so where do you see it going though? I mean, uh, you know, there's traditional 2d printing. Um, now we're getting into this idea of 3d printing. Um, do they overlap? Are they just two separate paths or? Yeah, I, they're very different machines, right? So, mm -hmm. um, they're, I think they're on separate paths, but, um, but like HP is definitely, um, pursuing both paths aggressively. And, um, I think it, it unlocks, you know, like, a, you know, like imagine going to a hardware store and, you know, you know, uh, Lowe's or Home Depot, not having to stock, you know, thousands of different types of parts, you know, you just, you know, put in an order and you, you go pick it up there cause they're building it at there. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I know a lot of aircraft manufacturers are creating parts and car manufacturers are going to create parts. And, uh, so then it reduced, it just kind of wipes out the need to ship things for overseas, you know, just build it on site. And I think it's definitely a future. It's definitely a big deal, right? Yeah, there's a, it's definitely a big deal. Um, there's a guy on YouTube, I want to say, yeah, that he creates these works and he creates this, uh, he's got this package that he puts together basically where, where he sells these 3d representation of Dungeons and Dragons characters. And the whole thing is, you know, they've sent out. 3D printer ready. If you don't have a 3D printer, he's got like a package where you can buy one, like really small 3D printer. And basically he's trying to make this new gaming community that has all the pieces printed at home. So he's got this entire package of, Hey, buy my 3D printer, the, the models, and you can print them at home. And then if you need paint, if you want to paint them yourself, you know, there's these paints you can buy. And I thought that was really really innovative because now I can buy a game, you know, um, like, you know, the overhead of putting out a physical game is, is pretty big. You know, you got to make all these pieces and everything, but now if I can just send the manufacturing out to the players and like, well, these guys have an orc versus elf battle. They're going to be printing up a lot of orcs versus elves. I don't have to print them. I'll just leave it up to whoever's going to play. So there's a lot of weird things that are going on in that space. I really like it though. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I know that there's, uh, scanning devices that can like measure your foot and then build you a custom shoe out of a 3d printer, you know, build houses, you know, they built, bring a giant 3d printer on site and they build, build it there. Um, yeah, it's definitely the future. I, I contracted somebody out a couple months ago to build something for me. I have a design that I've been thinking about making into a giant sculpture. And, uh, so I had to, I had to contract a designer to actually mock it up in 3d and then, um, hired a, a, a mechanical engineer to print it in 3d. Uh, and it, it's kind of a complicated design. So it cost me like a hundred fifty hundred dollars or so to print it. Right. That's so, all. Go on. I mean, you're just, you're the process. No, I need, I, I need that. I need the, 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 the 3d printed sample. It's about this big and mm -hmm. I, I need it to go like sell the concept. Cause I want to, I want to create like a 12 or 15 foot sculpture out of it. 
So I, I okay. Yeah. I filed a, a filed a design patent on it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I've I've seen the one you're talking about, unless you've got others that I don't know about. Oh, okay. Yeah, I probably showed it to you. <laughs> yeah, that's um, and that gets into a weird space too. There's a whole group of fabrication artists that I that I found out about um, a little while ago watching a documentary. This guy just wanted like, hey, I want this big hand holding a bottle of this and that, and all of a sudden we're in this world of fabrication artists who. Yeah. Try to go work with fiberglass and, you know, yeah, fiberglass con- metal structures. I contacted one earlier this week in uh, Burbank um, to give me a quote. Because, see, my plan is to, like, um, before I can go, like, see if I can sell this sculpture to a sculpture park or, a, you know, an organization or a museum or something, um, I have to know what it'll cost me to build. And I can't build it, so I, I contacted this Los Angeles uh, fabrication company to give me a quote. And so I'm I'm meeting with them on Monday, so that to to explain the the concept. Um, and they have this line item in there for the budget. What's your budget? And I'm like, I don't know, just whatever it takes to build. Really nice, because I'm not going to pay for it. Right. If I go to a if I go to an organization, I say like, I can build this twelve foot tall but it's going to cost you this. And that cost is what I, what costs me plus my profit. Right. Right. It's right. Typical, typical business. Right. So, but, but I'm getting into that fabrication world or, or trying to, trying to understand it a little bit better. So it was, um, so that, that's, that's your project, right? That's yeah. not like something you're doing with work or anything. It's mine. Okay. Very cool. I, I, I wasn't quite, I wasn't quite sure on that. And, uh, nah. no, that's a, uh, that, that's very cool. Um, it's amazing seeing all these pieces of technology kind of coming together, moving, um, and changing the landscape in different ways. Um, the 3d printing, just the proliferation of regular printing. Um, it's funny, like you mentioned Epsom, I, um, was looking up, uh, how to get prints made like these guys back here. I was just looking up how to get prints made and. You know, they're like, hey, there's this big Epson printer you can just buy for yourself, basically, and, you know, get G-clay quality prints. And I'm like, okay. Um, and it just started to blur the line between what I need a large group to do or a large outfit and then just kind of stuff I can do at home by myself. So the, yeah. what do you call it, um, democratization, I guess, of a lot of these processes, Yeah, you know, now... It's, it's amazing and fascinating to me. And I'm wondering what you think about like where all of this is going in terms of more stuff being in the artist's hands. Um, well, yeah, I mean, if, if you know that you're going to produce a lot of certain kind of print on canvas or a certain kind of paper, it, it probably makes sense to do it yourself because you know, those a print shop is going to charge a high premium typically. That definitely makes sense to, to maybe like do it yourself. Um, but in terms of creativity and what people can do, I mean, man, those, I mean, all these apps coming out that can do all this crazy stuff. And, you know, I, I really wanted to learn how to do animations with 3d stuff. And, but it, you know, you've got to, you got to pay a little bit for a program, but the, the capabilities like of the Adobe suite or 
these, uh, I forget what they call these, uh, these tools that a lot of the NFT digital artists are using to create animations and really cool animations. Um, I want to learn how to do that. And, but it, and it's becoming easier and easier every year because they get, they get more powerful and it's just amazing. Like, and now you, you could take like photographs and you can, you know, within 20 seconds and colorize it on the internet and animate the old photo, you know, have you seen those? Um, I believe I know what you're talking about it. Yeah. I think I saw a TikTok full of old animated, um, photographs. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying that like, you know, the tools are getting so much more powerful and, and I guess it's, you just have to specialize in one area. Like, what do you really want to get good at? And learn how to do right um it's still my dream to 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 do digital art and do some animations maybe one of these days but um i don't know right now <laughs> i'm still stuck in the physical painting world well i mean we still live in a physical world right um yeah you know if somebody has got a nice piece of art on their wall that's going to matter to them quite a bit so like a lot of people are just passing around digital files and saying, Hey, I own this or I can yeah. print that. You know, this is one of my problems with NFTs as they currently are. You don't have a, um, a good way to showcase. And I think maybe the, the way to showcase is through like, you know, putting up a little website or using it as a profile image with the link to, you know, the open C, um, directory or the rareable directory or whatever. But, it's it's early right now. And are you, are you saying showcase to sell it or showcase your showcase your collection? So to display your collection, uh, either either or. Uh, I was more more talking about presenting to yourself or your friends or whoever comes over. It's like you know that art has a story, and I can in the physical world I can bring it around and show people. And um, like when people come to my house, I have a I have a stack of prints. Um, in a, in a binder, you know, large, one of those 18 by 24 kind of binders. And I just kind of whip it out and show some of my old prints or, uh, prints from other artists I've, I've purchased. And it's a whole thing, right? It's a whole experience. And, you know, that's, it's hard to get that online where it's like, Hey, these are my, my prints or whatever. And you just kind of scroll through them and someone's like, so I, I Right. This is, you know, I could go on, I could go on Pinterest and see what are you, what are you trying to show me? It's not even a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, people are trying to sell like these large LCDs that'll connect to your, whatever device that can cycle through your whole collection of NFTs. And, uh, but it, yeah, it's interesting to try and figure out where it's going. Um, I don't know. I mean, um. There's just so much, the world is just like evolving so fast in what, what people can do creatively. And, um, I would, I, I would think about, you know, I always cringe when I see like this computer created this painting. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's not digital. It's like, kind of like this computer created this, or it'll look at a, it'll look at like at a masterpiece, a painter, and they create a new painting in that style that is not related to that. I mean, that painter never painted that, but it's, it's done exactly in that style or, or the, or the artificial intelligence can create up a new concept that 
man has thought up yet. And then, so then they say, eventually, you know, machines will be able to do art better than humans. And, uh, so what's the value of human created art at that point? And I guess it's just kind of like, you know, you know, handcrafted, like handcrafted coffees and stuff, you know, like, right, right. There, there should still be like, maybe it'll be even more, uh, appreciated in the future when somebody can say, you know, I have a painting, but it was created by a real person. Right. And, and you know what, um, that is actually kind of what I was touching on when I started the concept for the eight bit cubist, oh, right. the, in the, in the cubist movement, they were, you know, photography was becoming a big thing and you were getting this era of people that could, uh, you know, make drawings from photographs very quickly. It was just becoming a thing where it's like, look, we can represent the world, real world. We don't need artists anymore. And there was this kind of vibe going around. Yeah. And then Picasso, Brock, um, and even leading on in some other movements, you started getting this non-representational kind of art that people hated in the beginning. So now I kind of see us moving into something new where like the people are having the arguments, like that's a JPEG. Why would I even want to buy that? You know, I can, yeah. I can right. right click on it and copy it. What are you talking <laughs> about? Pay $10,000 for it. That's that's stupid. So yeah, it's like, well, yeah, I could get an image of the Mona Lisa and go print it over at Kinko's and, you know, put it up in my house or whatever. I could do that. Yeah. No, I, I do think like, like, I think, I think the NFT artists should, should embed something in there that they, that there's no way you can get by just right clicking and creating a picture. I mean, it, it may look the same, but there should be something in the digital piece that shows like you could prove I've got the original because look at this watermark or look at this, like, like I did on the, the painting I was telling you about where I put all those words in there. Right. Right. Only the bite, only the person that has the original NFT will be able to see those words. Well, now, Rick, doesn't that really make it a higher quality, but it, it, it proves that that's the original. Yeah. Then, um, I think we're going to get to that pretty quickly where, uh, you know, um, just the whole verification and the online showcasing for, for galleries or online galleries or whatever, uh, you know, if you have this, this NFT and somebody goes to, um, let's say Sotheby's or Christie's makes a, a website one day where it's like, Hey, here are the NFT works of such and such, his collection. And when you click on it, it's like verified, you see yes. whatever, um, maybe you can get into the metaverse and slap on your VR headset or your AR goggles or whatever, and you can start seeing these things, uh, in a different way. So something's going to connect with the people, um, at some point that requires a, a digital gallery of sorts. That, ver that verifies the pieces. Yeah. I think eventually it's going to make total sense. People will understand why NFTs exist and the, the value it brings, but I can sort of see like, uh, like for, for, for us people that do like physical paintings, like it's suddenly, you know, it allows me to get involved in the resale market with royalties. And I, and I could see how many times my painting has been uh, sold by other people and, and it gives any future buyer some confidence or lack of confidence in your art by 
it creates it creates a collectible market for your stuff. Does it participate, right? No, totally. Um, do you think the 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 paper chase messes up the artistry a bit? Mm, I I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Um, currently, maybe, but but you know, I've heard I've heard gallery gallery owners get involved in this clubhouse NFT chat because they're saying like when they're selling expensive art now, some of the customers are saying, I want an NFT attached to that for, for authenticity to prove mm -hmm. that I own it. And then like the, a lot of the museums are, you know, requiring NFTs for like the really expensive pieces because. But who's requiring? I'm sorry. Well, I mean, I heard, I don't, I don't have exact proof or evidence, but I heard that like a lot of like museums are requiring like. Like you've got it, if you got a Picasso, you need to put an NFT attached to it because as it gets sold for hundreds of years, um, it's going to, it proves that this was the original and, and eventually like every, everything valuable by that artist was documented by an NFT. So if somebody tries to insert a fake somewhere along the chain, yeah, you say, well, it, it didn't exist 200 years ago, so it's not real. Yeah, right. No, I get it. There was a, there was just a documentary on Netflix that I was watching. Um, forgot the name of it, but basically, uh, there's this whole art circle where everybody was collecting, I want to say Vermeers, uh, and they were trying to, uh, find out like, Hey, where are these other paintings at? Uh, we should have this many. Well, they're in this gallery and this museum. And, you know, it was just the normal progressions of an art gallery, you know, in art over time building up. And this one person shows up and they're like, oh, you know, I've worked with such and such. I was the assistant of this guy. And, um, you know, we were doing all this art together. I, she was like, I know where the other pieces are. And they were like, oh, really? It's like, yeah, there's this guy in Italy who owns them. And it became this whole, they trusted her and she started putting fakes into the supply chain, right? Exactly. I saw that or I saw part of, yeah. Yeah, it's just them all by, by, you know, like giving their trust and, uh, introducing fakes. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea of provenance and who you trust, it's like, well, this guy trusts me. It's like, okay, well, you know, I won't put it up for sale or anything, but I will showcase it in the gallery. I'll, I'll put it up on the wall and we'll see what, what happens. And then she takes that story and it's like, well, Hey, I've, I've just shown in this gallery. It's, you know, they're def they're obviously you know, validating it. And it's like, okay, I guess so. I, I, okay. I'll pay to show, I'll pay, you know, a price and we'll put it in the gallery or the, this and so forth. So you build this whole fake provenance. That's yeah. It was just so bizarre how this whole scam existed for all this time. It just kept on snowballing. Aster heist. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that, to that point, I mean, that's why I believe in NFTs. There's, there's a lot of the concept is good. I, you know, the whole thing though, about how much energy it takes to mint an NFT currently, it bothered me a lot mm. because it's, it's using so much energy around the world for all this blockchain stuff. But I guess it's, you know, generation two of the blockchain or this other, these other methods are, are a lot more energy efficient. I'm, I'm speaking in terms of like the climate change, you know, right. Because right. It, it's, it takes so much energy 
for computers to verify single track transaction on the blockchain? Yeah, for, I haven't checked stats recently, but yeah, the the cost of NFT exchanges like far outweighs um, a lot of small countries. Um, yeah, and so it's like it, it, this is one. That's actually how I, I guess I learned about NFTs. I was following this guy on Twitter who kept talking about Bitcoin mining using computers. And I'm like, let me do that. I want to do that. I want to, he's, he's making money, Bitcoin mining. And, and, uh, then I looked into it. Like you got to have, like, ideally you would, you'd, you'd need to buy like a thousand dollar graphics card for your system right. run that many iterations. <laughs> yeah. So that people that, and it got to the point, I think the people that were making the money are the ones that are building out these farms of, you know, really expensive computers that are running nonstop. And how do you, how do you compete against them? Right. Yeah. I probably missed the boat on that one and, and it's super energy intensive and I, I don't like that. Yeah. Um, I, I personally believe that they'll, that that problem will be fixed at least with, um, I know Ethereum is working to fix that. And then there's, uh, the next version of Cardano. I think that's the one yeah. that's going to, yeah. 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 And, uh, I'm just pulling up something here on my computer. Um, there was this, uh, it, it, it's kind of complicated, but it's like the proof of stake blockchain mm -hmm. uses a lot of energy, but yeah, proof of work. No, no, no. The proof of work blockchain uses a lot of energy. Yeah. Proof of stake blockchain does not. I know it's, I can't explain it, but that's, that's in, in, in short, uh, the proof of work, uh, basically relies on the fact that you did this computational work. So in order to prove that you are, um, this, this blockchain is legit. This new block added to the chain is legit. And to verify all of that, it's going to go through a lot of computational work and that work just kind of keeps on adding to itself. So it's more complicated every time, but you know, it's like, well, Hey, this, these set of computers actually went through all this work that kind of proves that it's the real thing because nobody else did all that work. It's like, okay, well, cool. Okay. Um, the proof of stake is more along the lines of somehow they, they stamp this something with a record that says these 15 computers or whatever, totally trust this other guy. So we're going to trust it because those computers have a stake in whether it's real or not. Oh, interesting. Um, so there's like a, yeah, it's, it's more complicated than I just explained there, but basically it's like these computers have a stake in something they believe it. Yeah. So we'll, we'll validate it. Um, so that's the best explanation I've heard so far. So <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. There are so many different tokens and white papers. Uh, I was into that for a hot second, but it was taking kind of all of my time just to follow it. And I wasn't actively into it. So I was like, you know what, let me step back for a second, keep my ear to the ground, but not be you know, jumping in the deep end of the pool of it, because that's just yeah. all of my time. If I'm not going to be actively, uh, creating and, you know, interacting. I just, I just want to make some, some good art and post it as an NFT and have people go gaga and pay me a lot of money. <laughs> Doesn't take much time, you know, just, 
See, you got to have you got to have a, a crazy gimmick, and I I do like the idea of zooming in and seeing all types of new work in your work. So, I think well, nobody told me that. I just kind of thought that up. So maybe I can patent or copyright that idea. I don't know, but. I don't know. Do, do you like the word do you like the word gimmick? Uh and I was at a company and they used to use that word a lot, so it just kind of stuck with me. Um gimmick feels kind of dirty outside of that environment, but I just used it by habit. No, no, it's I get what you mean. You know, like you gotta have a way to you got I mean it's marketing, right? You gotta have a way to attract buyers and have buyers need confidence in your you you as a person and your work. They got to like your work. They got to think that others are going to like the work. Um, and that's where, it, again, it gets so crazy. Like people are just drawing little frogs and then, you know, because they do a hundred of them and they limited dish of them, you know, like we're only going to sell a hundred of these frogs, you know, <laughs> why are they selling for hundreds of dollars? Yeah. <laughs> there, there was a slight look of disdain about that whole thing that I saw from you. Yeah, I'm so. a little jaded. I'm a little it, bit, you know, like, yeah. It, it's, it's dumb so for sure. So. Some of the some of the projects and the, the scams out there. I mean, there are legitimate like scams where people run up the the uh, the message boards. They'll be on Reddit. They'll be on Discord and like, oh my gosh, I did this and this. And not maybe not everyone is a bot, but you know, with these new AI writing tools, they're just writing out short form copy that's basically. You know, oh my gosh, these guys are awesome. I love it. I'm going to start an account now. I'm following. Oh, so it's, it's insane how these communities are being built up um, by people in, um, you know, countries who have, you know, no business buying NFTs at this price, but we're selling them. And they're creating this huge swell of, uh, you know, just hype. And then yeah. when people look at it, they're like, oh, wow, it's got all this hype. They'll have somebody buy, creating NFT, right? Um, put it up for auction. Then they'll create another account. And that other account buys the NFT at a crazy high price, like $100,000, right? But it's the same person. So the money doesn't really change and you lose a small percentage in the transaction fee but you basically just put one money one one um a block of money into another wallet and you're like but it but it but it gets that rich person that says oh my gosh this one's hot yeah it's hot i'm gonna get in on that action and he buys it yeah yeah it's hot it's selling you know there's been a lot of transactions a lot of people are buying it keeps building up and then it sells for like, you know, 200,000, let's say to an actual buyer, you know, an actual person who, who's interested in it, buys it for 200,000 and the guy, and there's only one person who created it initially for like a thousand dollars. So yeah, he just, that's, you know, that's, that's the scam or one of yeah. them. And there, there are quite a few of them and uh, eBay put a stop to that, you know, yeah. or tried to at least. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it goes on in the big auction houses too, right? People mm -hmm. that people that own Picasso have a vested interest to make sure the next Picasso sells at a really high price. So, I've heard of these little deals going on where, like, hey, bid it up to five million or something like that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, anybody, anybody listening, there's this whole art 
the dirty art game um, yeah. where people have bought I mean, entire, they've created an entire gallery just for the sole purpose of putting in a high bid on a piece of art so that a bunch of other people will say, oh, these, these other galleries have, you know, paid money to, to, to bid on this piece of artwork. We should bid too. And it's like, yeah. Scammers get smarter and smarter. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you, uh, I guess that's the value of a community then maybe is if you're actually talking to real people that, you know, that are collectors and, 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 and if it's a collaboration of a lot of people, right, mm -hmm. maybe that helps weed out the scams. I don't know. Well, I, d I definitely think it does. Uh, the Hot Wheels community is an interesting group of characters and they all kind of know each other. Uh, they go around to these little Hot Wheels conventions and they're saying like, Hey, this guy, he's buying up all the yellow trucks. I don't know. You know, it's, it's like when he shows up, it's like, you know, Hey, I got a yellow truck here. It's like, nah, I got that one already, but this one's in condition. And it's, it's really bizarre, but it's a small community. They all keep in contact. They all know each other. So you, it's, I want to see how this plays out in, 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 uh, I was about to say real life, but NFTs are kind of this whole digital life. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I don't know. That's so hilarious about the Hot Wheels community though. Yeah. I actually think that, um, Facebook is going to make moves in this direction at some point. And they've really been trying to create a, um, a, an ID with their whole Facebook ID thing, you know, where you've got, where you know that that's, that's a person behind it and they're trying to weed out bots and all of the other stuff. So now if I have my Facebook ID or some other type of ID, um, you know, I can, I can say, oh, these are real people. The idea of it being a bot is a lot less likely. And I think that plays into their whole metaverse concept. Yeah. Yeah. They need to do that. I mean, the whole, the whole Facebook social scene is getting just, it's, it's, it's unhealthy. It's ugly. It's, it's frustrating. It's, I mean, but it, but it. I mean, I still log in all the time to check things, right? I'm still, what I don't know, I'm addicted to it. I don't know. I mean, I, but it is my, it's my main source of following family and mm -hmm. friends and, you know, but then it, then I, I get pulled into a lot of political arguments, which I, you know, I'm very guilty of being part of that scene, but you know, I, I've calmed down. <laughs> But I felt very manipulated by the whole thing as well, right? Mm. And I, I can just tell there's so many people that are manipulated by the content. People yeah. just have lost their minds. And um, it, I don't know. It's just... When did you realize that? What? That, um, you know, there was like a feeling of manipulation. There's it. Something didn't feel quite natural uh, on the Facebook scene. Because you had some things to say about, like, this is big. When we were talking about the um uh, the whistleblower action that just happened. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, I don't know what if it was there one particular time, but I've just seen. To me, it seems like so many Americans just don't know how to use logic anymore and have been somehow brainwashed by 
their little bubbles. And there's a lot of reasons for that. It's not just Facebook, right? It's, it's the, it's all the proliferation of media, right? You go to the new site that you sort of believe is your worldview, right? And then it just reinforces your worldview. And but we all become so separated in our worldviews that we all think each other's crazy. But, you know, it got so bad in the last number of years where people were just believing things that I like made no sense. Like you wouldn't have believed that a decade ago. Why do you believe it now? <laughs> because I'm on team uh, media tribe X. That's why. Yeah. But it just makes no sense. Like, it's like, it, like, even if evidence is shown to you that it makes no sense, they just keep like coming up with new reasons to why this is true. And I'm just like, I'm like, oh my God, this, I think there's like professional, uh, psychologists that are, or brainwashers out there that are brainwashing us all to get our money or whatever, to get us to vote a certain way. So I don't know if there was a one particular event that happened, but you know, um, and Facebook is part of the problem. I, you know, I think this new, this new whistleblower, right? She, wow, she was so articulate and so informed and so opinionated and so believable, right? Mm -hmm. That it's just bound, it's just bound to change so many people's impression of Facebook. And, you know, I too thought like uh, Mark Zuckerberg seems like an honest guy. He, he tells a good story. Right. He's trying to do the best he can. Maybe it's really difficult. Uh, but then when you listen to her, it's like, no, they're, they're doing everything for profit. They don't care. Yeah. It's profit first. So th that I definitely believe I'm, I'm, I'm totally on the, I, I, I agree with a lot of the, the sentiment that there's a lot of manipulation, the doing stuff for profit. What concerns me though, is that it's not like, 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 like Facebook, I think is doing better than a lot of these other platforms are. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember they were fighting against the, uh, like people wanted the dislike button, you know, they were yelling about, I need a dislike button. You know, I hate this and da 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 da. It's like, all right. Uh, I don't know if you want a dislike button, you know, this makes people really feel bad when you post something and there's a bunch of dislikes on it. Right. <laughs> um, people remember the YouTube comments. Um, they were terrible. Well, they still are. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that YouTube's done much to, to stop that. Yeah. Uh, Instagram has t a ton of bots with Forex traders and, you know, we're mentioning NFTs here. I guarantee there's going to be a bunch of NFT clowns in the, uh, in the comments later, but no, <laughs> you know, so, so I don't know who's doing as much as they can. I think there's a bit of, it's gotten out of control, even for these companies. So, so my kids, you know, like all kids, all teenagers, they were, they didn't, they didn't care so much for Facebook and it was like sort of the older generation. Mm -hmm. And, and I said, well, I like Facebook because it, it has history. I can go back and find pictures. I can go back and find conversations. And my kids were always like, why do you need to see that stuff again? And why do you need to have so many words? You know, so they're all about Instagram and right, right. Snapchat and and now I'm sort of appreciating that point of view because, um, you know, it goes back to this whole thing of why, you know, text, why do we need, you know, maybe it, maybe it is unhealthy to have historical records of 
text conversations where we never understood each other to begin with because <laughs> no, I mean, like, no, I mean, I, if, I, if I type something out, yeah, people are yeah. going to misunderstand it. Right. And I misunderstand what they say. And so that's going back to the value of clubhouse where it's just temporary and it's just people just talking and you can, you can hear their tone of voice. You know, if you're a jackass on the stage, they're going to boot you off the stage and the moderator gets it back under control. Say, hey, we need, we need to ex respect everybody's rights here. It's, a, it's like, it's, it's like a real conversation. Yeah. But a text conversation is like some sort of like strange debate world where you look at it and you steam about this, what they're saying, like, what the hell do they mean? You know? And you're like, and then you go walk around the house for a while. You know, what am I going to type back? What am I going to say to them? And then you try, you try to throw spears at them and, you know, you know, that's the political conversations I'm talking about, but you know, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I told, I totally get it, man. Um, but yeah, I, I was just, uh, it's, it's phenomenal to me how, uh, this stuff has transpired and, you know, I've had like, uh, if, if you've seen my Facebook post, my, my standard ones, you know, it's just a short little, short little description with an icon. I intentionally yeah. did that because at some point I started, I was posting links and then I'd have commentary on the links, mm -hmm. but it became a thing of, you know, well, you posted that from Washington post and I was like, well, that's kind of a good point here. I, you know, I don't, I don't care where it came from so much, but, and then somebody would post something from, well, here's a better article. And we started arguing headlines and media sources and yeah, yeah it became a crazy thing. So. I, I started realizing it then, and then it really cemented for me how crazy everything was during the, um, great star Wars fan base debacle of 2018 or so, uh, which I was very much a part of, um, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, between, uh, the last Jedi, the force awakens and, um, the whole sequel trilogy. Feeding into all of that, I had to really step back and say, okay, what am I doing? What's happening here? Uh, what kind of future are we building? Yeah. And I didn't have any good answers. Like how does, um, how do we control all of this stuff? Or, you know, we, I think we need training, you know, personally, like, uh, we just need training on how to communicate over social media. But like, as far as tools go, like, uh, yeah. Facebook, what do they do? I, I mean, I don't know that we have clean answers yet that people, ex that, that people will accept. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird world. Um, what is it doing to our brains when we have all these kind of relationships like that, where we're, you know there's a lot of judging of each other and a lot of, you know, one-upping and like everybody's trying to post their most attractive picture. And then people, you know, you sort of feel it, the young girls feel jealous about the beauty of another young girl or the popularity. I mean, yeah, I don't know the answer either, but it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. It's, and it's, it's unsettling, right. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, um, uh, I saw what it was doing to me too. And my wife saw it too. Like, like she, she said, you got to step away from that stuff. Like stop, stop getting on there. <laughs> yeah. And so. Do you have a, a favorite and a least favorite platform? 
Well, so I was talking, I was mentioning Clubhouse. I was saying good things about Clubhouse, but mm-hmm. it's, that's frustrating too, because I can never find interesting rooms. You know, I subscribe to all these clubs of things that I'm interested in, but I never see their stuff pop up. I just keep seeing junk, junk clubs that I'm not interested in and topics that I'm not interested in. I can never find a room that I'm interested in. So I think Clubhouse has a lot of, uh, uh potential to be my favorite. Uh, okay. I like Twitter. I like Twitter for like news and, uh, opinions of, you know, breaking like real time opinions of people that I want to that I sort of follow or respect, you know, um, that have something to say. So it helps me, you know, like what's the bottom line, right? You know, when you hear like these people that like, you know, news, news people or politicians or whatever, yeah, or celebrities, you know, you just, what's their point of view? They're just posting. So you sort of understand anyway, I like Twitter. Um, Facebook has its place for me. <laughs> for photos and keeping up with the family. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether I really use anything else. You know, what is that? What's the one with all the videos? TikTok, right? Right, right. That's addicting just because I mean, there's so much entertaining videos there. (laughs) Yeah. I Um, live through TikTok, you know, for, for an hour and waste an hour of time. Just, oh, that's cool. Let me see the next one. You know, it's pretty amazing that way. Um, and yeah, yeah, I, I don't. Okay. So, so where does, uh, Instagram stack up? Let me ask that. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know what I tweet out of Instagram or what I put into. I don't know what I'm getting out of it. It's just okay. a place to put pictures of art. For me. <laughs> yeah. I totally get it. It is that it was actually my least favorite platform until I started doing the IG lives. Mm. Um, I felt that the, the whole show and tell vibe of it without much conversation was kind of damaging. Um, you know, like I'd post something and it didn't get many likes and then I got frustrated. I would delete the post, you know, um, try to get, find the right time to post it, make a new caption, new hashtags, and then post it again. And I'm like, okay, well, that time it got like 50% more likes. So, okay. And it became this, this game of, Hey, do you like me kind of thing? Yeah. Um, and I didn't, I wasn't vibing with that. Yeah. Uh, but at some point between doing, doing things on Facebook, doing streams on Facebook, I mean, and doing streams on, uh, what do you call it? Twitch. I ended up trying, I ended up trying Instagram live. And genuine people genuinely joined in and were like, Hey, what's going on? What's talking about? And it reminded me of me just being around doing something or maybe like at an art show where people come by and like, Hey, I hear, hear you're doing something. What's going on? What's that about? And I just got that feeling of like, Oh, Oh, Hey, how, how, how are you doing? You know, how, how are things? In fact, that's uh you popped in the one live that I was doing. Yeah. Um, so, but so, so I, I saw your live and I didn't know whether I, I mean, I sort of wanted to join the conversation, but I didn't want to interrupt what you were doing. And I'm like, mm, is it, is it <laughs> polite to like request to join this conversation or yeah, I didn't know what to do. Right. So but finally I'm like, oh, I just want to try it. Yeah. Uh, 
but yeah, no, that's cool. Um, I could see the value in Instagram live. It's, it's actually pretty cool, but it's like, but like if somebody else wanted to join right now, could you do three or I believe it, I haven't, um, I haven't actually done it here, but you can get up to four people and oh, forget, I forget how they run their restrictions on who can and who can't do it. It may be a, a certain viewer count or a certain history of doing lives. I don't know. Um, but some people just have the option and other people don't. So, so this conversation that we've had for the last hour, whatever it was, I mean, I've gotten so much more out of this because it's a face-to-face -face live conversation than typing, reading something and typing something in, you know, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. I mean, maybe I think maybe humans just aren't meant for typing conversations. <laughs> uh, that's a very valid point. Um, you know, as a, as, a, as a game developer, a lot of times we try to, depending on the situation, we'll try to reduce the friction of connecting to this person or if something is, should we, should we put something on screen or should we make the actual character, you know, animate any mode or whatever? And we find extremely different um, responses to certain things. Um, so I don't know if you remember the game Doom. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Doom. One of the major things they added was the little face at the bottom mm. that kind of showed your health status. Like every time you were getting hit, he grimaced and, mm. you know, it started bleeding out the nose and eyes or whatever. And just as he got beat up. So that was actually a relatively uh, late addition, they said, to, you know, they really wanted to make it a lot more in tests and they were playing around with ideas and they're like, well, let's bring the face idea back and add a lot more to it. So, yeah. you know, doing a lot more with that face, being that you're a faceless character, it just gave me so much more uh, like, oh, wow, I'm getting shot at. Look at, look at yeah. the little face. It's grimacing. It's, you know, yeah. it, so I think I uh, like these little, the, the little UX things that, um, people come up with to, to, to get our brains to engage. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's the whole thing of Facebook of the, what do they call it? The chemical that's released, the pheromones, whatever it is, but they're just, they're just showing you something that gets you to share it, to get other people to, to get a like or get a click or whatever. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. Yes, I, guess, uh, I, guess, I guess I should just like, you know. I'm on the edge of just wanting to delete Facebook, but then I, 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 if I do, it's like this fear of missing out. Like, oh, then, I, then I'm just like putting a wall up between everybody I know, you know. You know, it's hard to walk away from Facebook, even though it's crap. It's like, it's, it's damaging us. I think that it just, it takes a, a fair bit of thinking about what you're doing and training on it. Um, I've actually, I'm actually writing a, uh, I want to call it a small book an essay or whatever you want to call it on ways to deal with Facebook. And, you know, over time, I've just gone through every one of the little problems I've had with Facebook and figuring out ways that I can personally fix it. Um, and that got me into starting groups that got me into doing lives on Facebook that got me into considering how I pose questions and how I, uh, how I formatted things. It's just, it changed just really studying and thinking about it. Um, because I was, I was, I was really early on with Facebook. So 
I was me, uh, Jeff, a couple others. We were, we were just on there playing games basically. And, um, sharing, sharing information about like work, you know, because we were a bunch of people at work and kind of shared information there, but we were so early that we saw it in, in its, in its purest form. And then it, as it started to grow into something crazy, it was like, well, whoa, that's not the classic Facebook we remember. So yeah. I want to, I want to try to take that and build a, um, a set of guidelines or something, just a way to think about it. I don't know. Hopefully that'll, that'll help some people out, but yeah, it's definitely a weird thing. Definitely something we got to look out for, not just on Facebook, but all the platforms. Right. Agree. Yeah. No, that's, you're, you're very methodical about these things way more than I am. <laughs> that's a good thing. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, I don't know where that comes from. Uh, it's just, it's caused me a lot of problems in the past being that methodical on things, but, uh, I, I, I roll with it. So. Cool. Cool. So, um, we're, uh, let me ask you, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on and cover? I'm going over my notes here. I think we hit most of it. Um, no, I mean, I enjoy this kind of conversation. I, I, again, like this is pretty cool that maybe it gets me back thinking about Instagram as a platform. And I, I, you know, I think it's cool what you're doing of reaching out and, uh, having these conversations and, um, uh, I learned from it. I'm going to start tuning in more and way it's way more interesting i'm so glad I, I i i cut the cable tv cord like 15 years ago oh yeah that's you know like the junk that you can get you know it's that's such a time waster of junk but uh yeah no this helps me understand uh well understand you better and understand these topics because i don't talk about these topics hardly ever <laughs> with anybody else but yeah instagram live is pretty cool Definitely. Definitely. Um, when I do a, you know what, when I do a, um, um, a four person, get four people in here talking, uh, I know it's going to be myself, um, and some other person I had in mind, um, you know, I'll throw out the invite to you to get roped into that little discussion yeah. on just, uh, cause the, yeah. the first discussion I want to do with multiple people will be about discussing things online. So very cool. Yeah. I'll be glad to be part of that. All right. Um, so where can people find you and your art? Uh, well, you can just Google my name, uh, Todd Cruz art. Uh, I have a number of the thing that where I'm trying to sell most on right now is Saatchi online. It's an online gallery, uh, based in London, I think. Um, they're really easy to deal with. And, um, I like to put art out there, but just Google my name and art and you can find number of sites or Instagram. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we'll do that. This will get, this will get put out to the podcast streams and, uh, and YouTube as well. So I'm still getting my, my production pipeline down. So I got to save this off, uh, render it out and do all the, the business there, but I'll keep you posted on when I do that. Cool. Um, I appreciate the opportunity. It's been great chatting with you. Absolutely. Uh, thank you very much, Todd. Um, we'll definitely be sure to look out for you and thank you for your wise words here. Cool. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Bye. Take care. Bye. Boom. And, and that was Todd Cruz. Um, 
want to thank him for his time here on Mr. Vengeance ADD Experience Live. Uh, we get, I try to get in a guest every week, someone to speak with me about whatever. Art design and development is what I, what I focus on and creativity, but I think all of us are creative in our own way. So if you have something that you'd like to talk about, we'll, we can get into it and we can talk about the creative aspects of it. And of course, if you're about art design development, video games, art, mass media, those are a lot of the topics that I like to get into. We can have a Marvel discussion. We should have a MCU discussion at some point. I just want to, I got things to say about Marvel um, that I might need to talk about at some point. So all of that's in line, by the way, um, that's my high flyer there from a series I did. If you're thinking about Marvel, it's not a Marvel character, but it's kind of stuff I'm thinking about. So I'm here most nights. Uh, thank you for your time. Be sure to check back with me and I'll be doing this every, every week. I'll have a guest, but I do these little discussions all through the week and around 6.30 usually, but sometimes later, sometimes earlier. Just follow along. You'll get it. Anyway, that's been my time. Uh, thank you all for joining. Ingle Gina, Sue Evans, Stacy, L.R. Hoods, Nina1026, Sentiment750, thanks for coming back. Deli Yaker, uh, Letty Cruz, ah, part of the family. Creative Mize, Trent Bessie, thank you. Toy Gami, I love your work, man. X Copy Tech, Stephen P. And everybody else who joined in, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for being here. I'm going to screenshot some of this so I make sure we get everybody. Boom, boom. So I definitely want to follow up with you. And follow up with me. Um, drop a comment when this post or on any of my other posts and let me know that you came by. I want to get your feedback on, on what I'm doing here. Anyway, that's my time. Drop a comment, drop a like, drop some feedback. Let me know what you're thinking. Peace. Hey, thanks for joining me on this podcast. You all make everything I do possible, and I really do appreciate it. So even if you've got me on social, please visit mrbinja.com and see what's happening and how deep the rabbit hole goes. All right, I'll see you next time. Peace.